Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Jira podcast. I hope wherever you are, you're well and you are safe. Actually, I said that on the last podcast and I wasn't mm. quite sure if that's if you still say be safe. That was, that was a bit of a COVID thing, wasn't it? Safety never I takes kinda, a day off. And I just said it again and I, I, I vowed when I listened to the last one not to, uh, not to say it and I just said it. So It's that inner I monologue when you're editing. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, wherever you are, I hope you're well and we'll just leave it at that. Good. Doing great. <laughs> uh, as I say, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, for for new time listeners, please go back and listen to some of our older podcasts. We, the most recent one was a really interesting one with the guys from EF uh, Education Easy Post uh, with Will Gerling and Owen Blandy, who are the nutritionists and the chefs. It was really fascinating insight into behind the scenes. So definitely go and give it a listen. Um, and on to today's episode. Uh, this is a really special one. And I'm very excited to be uh, joined by Sam Mutton from Masaka Cycling Club Elite. Elite. And also joined by co-host Jamie Olsen. Woo! Keep this swearing to a minimum, please. Yeah, we'll Please, be. Jamie. Thank you very much. Uh, well, before we get into it, I want to have a massive thank you to Afternoon Crumbs for supplying the snacks for this evening's uh, or this afternoon's podcast. We've got some amazing... Um, go give her a follow on Instagram if you're not already. She's got an amazing shop in Claygate uh, and these awesome cupcakes. So, Jamie, Sam, pick your poison. Go on, Sammy, first. Cheers. Going to be oh, chocolate. Straight on the chocolate. Straight yeah, chocolate. that was a very assertive yeah. decision. Jay? I'll take that. Going for the other chocolate. No. Oh, going for the... I'm not the a Lango chocolate one. man. Oh, I'm going for the lemon. Oh, I like the... I like the Little peace, peace Ukrainian flag color one. Yeah. Not that we're going to get into politics on this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> anyway, mm, this looks really good. So, um, uh, for, for, for sort of long time listeners, uh, I know we've done a number of podcasts with Masaka Cycling Club. And, um, it's, it, which, I mean, we'll get into sort of the, the, we'll go over kind of like what it is sort of again. But uh, Sam is the coach yep. for the elite. Uh, sort of level riders yeah and you're originally from the uk and you're back here and you know between sort of jamie and yourself we managed to get some time together so firstly sam thank you so much for coming thank you for having um, me we're really really excited to be sort of talking to you uh we obviously through instagram and the joys of social media we've kind of been a fan from afar yeah um and it's really kind of like a a, a privilege to be a you know a very small part of the masaka journey so to be able to sit down with you today and talk about it is, is really exciting oh thank you so much for having us on appreciate it a lot oh no it's it, honestly it's, it's our pleasure jamie and i've been really looking forward to mm. it um so uh, sam i mean maybe let's just start with uh who are you and what do you do <laughs> who am i yeah, great question <laughs> yeah. that is yeah. so i've been in uganda since uh, on and off since 2010 and my wife and i we moved to uganda in 2019 yeah. and i originally went there to set up some cycling kind of projects not really the coaching i kind of fell into the coaching role sure and um yeah when i started coaching i absolutely loved it and so mm. i ended up then getting in touch with Ross, doing a bit of coaching with the Masaka guys. And that's just evolved over the last few years, a year and a half or so, to kind of having MCC Elite, which is the Masaka kind of elite training program, yeah. really giving their top talent a platform to showcase how flipping good they are. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, they are flipping good. Yeah, they're mm. really fast. You know, Kato and Waswa, their 20 minute efforts would be 5.6, 5.7 watts per kilo. So they leave probably most of us uh, yeah. well Absolutely. behind when we start climbing. Yeah, de definitely quite. Uh, yeah, that says a lot. Yeah, they're rapid. Um, so, I mean, as a background, so we, we were sort of talking about it earlier. So we first started getting working with Masaka, so to speak, or not even working with, involved with Masaka, back in probably about 2018, mm. when Sarah from Curve Cycling, you know, gave uh, uh, Ross Burridge, who we've had on the podcast a couple of times, um, he gave him a shout out saying that he was doing a kit collection. And we had a buttload of kit. Mountain <laughs> yeah, of kit. And uh, so uh, Sarah kindly put us in, in contact and, you know, we kind of sent off this kit. And he contacted me back saying, oh my gosh, this is, you know, so much, you know, thank you very yeah. much. And we, cause we'd actually been collecting kit for about two years prior to that. So wow, we, had, we really? had a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and that really started the journey of actually understanding, you know, what Ross was doing. Mm. So maybe, you know, uh, maybe it's probably be better for you to, to give a bit of a background of kind of like Masaka and so sort of how it started, where it is, and mm. then we can sort of talk about how you got involved. Yeah, so I, I actually got involved quite late into the Masaka journey. So Ross Ross has been kind of one of the founding patrons of the whole project. I mean, going out to Uganda for years and years with his role with Cotton On Foundation. Yeah. And so actually I only got in touch with him maybe two years ago um, to help with the coaching. But um, even when I got in touch with him, they were kind of already 
in the knockings of getting their clubhouse kind of up and running. Yeah. And um, okay. Yeah, we just reached out over the, again the power of social media on Instagram. Yeah. And was just like. Uh, you know, how can we work together? We've both kind of got the same sort of vision at this point of like elevating Ugandan talent. And, you know, for me, one of the things I've often said is the talent is here yeah. and the infrastructure just isn't there. Yeah, sure, sure, and so sure. it was like, right, well, I see it as kind of my challenge and life mission to help provide that uh, mm. infrastructure in whatever mm. way that looks like. And yeah. the best way we could come up with was, was through smart training and through Zwift. Yeah. So I literally flew out with one pretty naff uh, tire on turbo trainer okay. and started using that myself. Yeah. And then I put one of my friends on it and I was like, flip, this guy's hardly ever ridden a bike and he's pushing nearly four watts per kilo for a yeah. 20 minute effort. You know, oh, I was wow. like, he's given me a run for my money already. Yeah, Albeit yeah, yeah. he is 20 kilos lighter than yeah. me. You know, I like to put that disclaimer out there. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit of a freight train when it comes to riding. And the Ugandans aren't annoyingly. Yeah. So they're all like 55 to 60 kilos, you know, yeah. super duper climbers. And basically we're like, hang about all of their metrics would just be ideal for Zwift racing. Yeah. Mm. Lightweight, high watts per kilo is mm. kind of what you need to do well on Zwift. Yeah. And... Actually, Kato and Mas were in Uganda. They'll turn up for a race and they'll come first and second. Then probably their younger brother will come third. The level of racing just isn't really there apart yeah, from sure. a couple of big races per year. Yeah. And we're like... They that's need that's to, in Uganda as a whole. Yeah, that's yeah. in Uganda. Road racing, sorry. Yeah. You know, might get 40 riders attend a big oh. event. And so me and Ross were just kind of looking at it and we're like, well, actually, if we can get these guys on Zwift mm. and... Um, basically that's what we've managed to do and now yeah. we have kind of between me and Ross collectively so I have a clubhouse that I run in Bokoto in northern Kampala yeah. Ross has the big Masaka clubhouse which yeah. is about two two and a half hours about 100 150k away in the southwest yeah. it's kind of on the, the road down to Rwanda if you yeah. know your yeah. East Africa drug geography at all not too well no no it's not the <laughs> most it doesn't come up too much in the no, pub no, quizzes no. does it so <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you off but um, I kind of head down to their clubhouse once yeah. a month to check in on how their coach is doing how things yeah. are going there yeah. Um, and me and Ross are always looking at racing schedules, looking at what are the big, big races going on yeah. in the world of Zwift. How can we get our Ugandan talent basically showcased as best as possible? Yeah. Where are the higher points ranking races so we can get our riders up as mm. high as possible in the ranking, kind of the Zwift power rankings, if you want to get really nerdy into it. But I won't bore everyone on that now. Well, so, I mean, so if uh, for, for listeners who mm. aren't aware, please go back and listen to other podcasts with Ross. Uh, and also with Michael Delagrange from uh, Team Armani. Mm. Um, it really kind of, you know, so, I mean, Ross was doing a lot of work, as you say, a lot of work out in Uganda and then got behind sort of Masaka Cycling Club that was existing. And we also did a podcast with Miru, who's the guy who's like, you know, really started. He's, He's just an amazing guy. So please go yeah. back and listen or watch those podcasts. Um, and, you know, from us here at Jira, we've been, you know, kind of helping to you know, tell the story and tell what's going on over there and yeah. also trying to sort of create w ways and means for people here in our community to help and support the community that you guys are building over there. And it has been, you know, I mean, the, the, the seeing the clubhouse in Masaka come to mm -hmm. life through, you know, sort of de various donations has been incredible. Obviously, we've got a jersey on our wall here, uh, you know, you, you know, having people all over the world buying these jerseys is, is just amazing. Mm -hmm. And then obviously this last year, you know, or the last sort of two years, you came on the scene. Yeah. And so... I mean, and we'll really, we really will get into sort of the, the individual stories of the, some of the guys that you've been working with. But maybe let's kind of take it back a few steps. So for you personally, like, what's your background with regards to cycling? And essentially, how did you end up in Uganda? Yeah, um, good question, actually. So, yeah, 2010 was when I first went to Uganda. And um, I actually wanted to, like, cycle around Europe as my gap year. I, I was done with school and education. And I was, yeah. you know, I didn't do particularly well. I was I kind of always say I was a standard average student, kind of C gotcha. grade across the board, you yeah. know, and didn't excel in anything apart from the sports stuff. And then that was when I kind of came alive. The best know? ones. <laughs> the, the best ones. Yeah, exactly. All the <laughs> who, stuff that doesn't get you know. a job, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could do well exactly. in them. And then yeah. anything that you needed to get employment with, I was in big trouble. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I wanted to cycle around Europe. And uh, my parents were like, I think he's actually quite serious. He's going to end up getting completely lost and, huh. and probably <laughs> killed halfway around, you know. So this was before the days where GPSs were really readily accessible mm, yeah, and things yeah, like that. Yeah. So this was kind of like, try and read a map, but not really got a clue where I'm going. So trying to, me and my best mate wanted to do this uh, cycle tour, basically bike pack around Europe for, you know, three, four months. And my parents were like, 
I don't think this is this is not your best idea, Simon. <laughs> but they could see I was getting quite serious about it, and so they were kind of like, "If you do a more purposeful gap year, you know, volunteer your time, we'll put some money in." And so they very kindly said, "We'll give you a thousand pound to go and do something a bit more meaningful, should we say, in air quotes, okay. kind of uh, points." And so. Uh, we sponsored a kid in Uganda. My yeah. family sponsored a girl um, in an orphanage there. And I basically was like, well, that's a country I've never really been to, or I've never mm. been to Africa, let alone Uganda. And yeah. So just looked up volunteering opportunities and came across this organization and then went to Uganda basically 2010 for six months into 2011. And how old were you then? I was only 18, so this, okay, was, this was gap year, straight okay. out of A-levels, wow. you know, and definitely didn't want to go to university mm. at that moment. And yeah. so... Um, yeah, I went there and just really loved the place. You yeah. know, um, I met my wife. She was on the same, she's oh, a UK nice. lady, but we, we were on the same mission uh, trip, both yeah. on our gap year, kind Amazing. of trying to avoid going to university. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and yeah. uh, we just hit it off. We realized we've got very similar sort of life principles, life values, and mm. actually just really enjoyed working mm. uh, with uh, people in Uganda. Yeah. Um, cycling was really not on the radar at this point at all. You know, uh, fast forward five or six years, um, Cycling started to become a much bigger passion in my life, and sure. I really enjoyed kind of the the nerdy side of cycling, the numbers, training to heart rate, okay, training yeah, to yeah. power, and was like, oh, this is, you know, I was doing youth work actually at the time, and yeah. for a couple of churches in uh, Reading, okay. but cycling whenever I had a free moment, you know, whether it was on the indoor machine or outdoors in the Chilterns, and was like, you know, me and Chloe knew that we were heading towards the direction of probably living in Uganda, but wow. didn't know what that was going to look like. Yeah, um, wow. Eventually in 2019, we managed to move to Uganda on like a, what we call like a full-time basis. Okay. And um, yeah, I wanted to set up cycling tours, basically. That was, mm. that was the dream. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. COVID hit and it yeah. was kind of... Mm threw everything up in the air for a lot of people and actually I was like well why am I not using other skills that I have you know the youth work mm. the kind of the mentoring side of work mm. the the love of numbers to do uh coaching power heart rate and um yeah as I said earlier we got a basically one very average machine indoors yeah yeah and this guy smoked me you know okay. I was like okay here we go there has to be more to it than this there's mm. more talent out here than just so one of my mates so just sort of going back a step sure. so you know you're you're the 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 idea to sort of have like a cycle sort of touring company out there so for uh you know somebody sort of over here who's never been to uganda or maybe doesn't really have an idea of kind of the type of riding like you know what is on offer over there that kind of you felt it was so special yeah i'd say uh, honestly uganda is one of the most beautiful countries i've ever been to yeah. uh, winston churchill it's always the quote i give he called uh -huh. it the pearl of africa you know, okay, it's a genuinely stunning stunning country and i've been yeah. very blessed to travel you know quite a lot around the world but mm -hmm. uganda's right up there it's kind yeah. of got everything from mountain ranges to uh, roads through the safari to, uh savannas sorry um and yeah we were going to do road cycling basically all the way down the western side of the country um, so you're on the edge of the rift valley and you're kind of beautiful tarmac roads so once yeah. you get out of the city the roads are actually quite good because they mm. connect the major towns to the bordering countries to yeah. congo to rwanda to tanzania and so we were going to do kind of a 500k in five days with a option to stop and do a safari midway through oh, that, wow you know? that's amazing so, yeah. um yeah, and uh, I think it was about seven or eight thousand meters of climbing over that as well, you know, and at high altitude as well. Um, so, what's the altitude? Uh, so, the highest road we'll do is two thousand four hundred fifty meters above okay. sea level. So that's um, it's quite high. It's higher than Alpe d'Huez and some mm, of the yeah. more famous climbs in Europe. I yeah. think just below the Stelvio, um, off the top of my head, that is. But starts, you're, you're struggling. <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, it's uh, it's you're you're puffing away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the you, privilege yeah. to go to Lesotho. Uh, back oh, in 2018, 19. Okay. And yeah, and uh, yeah, going, we went up to, up into La Susan and then up to Black Mountain. That was 3 2. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. It's like breathing through a straw, it isn't got real. it? It's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, got, it got real. Jesse, uh, seeing things. Jesse got me through that day. That was that was a yeah, tough one. Yeah, I can day. imagine. No, yeah. but all the whole country's at quite high altitude. You know, Kampala's yeah. twelve hundred meters above sea level. Wow. So okay. You just, you know, on a really big effort mm. machine, you can just start to mm. feel. Well, this is my excuse anyway. I, <laughs> I, I think I can feel something going wrong. You know, uh, I'm not sure a sports scientist would agree with yeah. that. But in my head, you know, yeah, yeah. there's an excuse we'll give you for that. losing yeah, a couple yeah, of percent yeah. off yeah, yeah. The, the max sprint and things like that. Absolutely. So, yeah. So you 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 and your wife sort of base yourselves out there and then you have this trainer, you get this guy on there. So what was the connection point? You know, when did you choose to reach out to, to Masak and Ross? And how did that story entail, uh, you know, for you getting involved and starting to train a couple of the guys? Yeah, sure. So like, as I say, me and, me and Chloe ran our own charity, uh, which is primarily based around youth work and mentoring within the slum communities in Kampala. Mm. Uh, and so initially... 
I was going to take guys and, and girls from different communities and put them on indoor machines and train them up. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, that just wasn't quite working and going to plan how we thought, whether it was me trying to suppress my passions on a community that didn't necessarily want it or what, you know, there's a few issues and That's errors that I yeah. made. Um, and we looked around and I reached out to Ross when we were back in one of our many lockdowns a few years ago. Um, I think it was end of 2020, basically. Okay. Uh, I sent him a message on Instagram. I was like, look, uh, I see your clubhouse is coming along. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, I've got one tire on turbo trainer and now two direct drive turn. I'm taking out two more direct drive turbos. Yeah. Like, do you want me to have a go on some of your riders and let's, let's see what they can actually do, you mm. know? And, um, mm. What I was uh, what was really interesting is actually the concept of training to power and training to heart rate is completely new yeah, to sure. Ugandans. Yeah, like yeah. nobody owns a power meter in the whole yeah. country. You know, we're the only club or clubs that have them. Yeah. And so, you know, to do that, we had to do like a load of physics lessons with the riders, explaining what is power. You know, every time you push down on a pedal stroke, you're generating a force. Mm. And explaining all of this sort of mm. kind of concepts to yeah. explaining that a little strap around your chest will show me how hard you are probably exerting yourself or not exerting and can help me look at how fatigued you may yeah. or may not be. And so we just came in, you know, I'm, I've done no coaching in my life at all. I just quite like the numbers and yeah. things like that. But suddenly we've gone from kind of like a very average knowledge base in the UK, should we say, to kind of being like industry leaders almost, you know, yeah, kind right. of the head mm -hmm. of cycle coaching. And, you know, suddenly people in the national setup are getting quite excited because they're like, flip, these guys have got way more than anyone else, you know. The national setup in Uganda. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so we'll go into that one yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the national setup were quite interested or still are very interested in kind of what we're doing in and around yeah. these indoor machines um, because we're still the only team that has them. And I think between me and Ross, we've probably got about 10 machines yeah. now. Kind of most of them are in the Masaka clubhouse than I do a bit of the kind of fitness testing and coaching at our place yeah. in, in Kampala. So, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. So, I mean, you know, for, you know, for us here in the UK, you know, cycling's are, you know, becoming a, you know, a, a, a very, very big sport, mm -hmm. you know, for, you know, the barriers to entry aren't too high. Obviously you need to buy a bike and then you buy a better bike and then you buy a better bike mm. and then you buy, you know, turbo. But the sort of, you know, the, the way to get into cycling is quite straightforward and that you go to a bike shop and you buy a bike and that's kind of step one, you know, and then you buy sort of pedals and all that. So, you know, obviously maybe talk about the, you know, from your standpoint, what it is like for somebody who's interested in getting into cycling. Because we're seeing, you know, you know, the training you're doing with, with the twins and, you know, kind of their race levels and what they're doing on Zwift and, mm. you know, they are crushing it. Yeah. But there's obviously quite a backstory there mm. for them to get to that point. And, you know, with, with you and Masaka, you know, you, you obviously have invested into them. Mm. But for somebody who's kind of maybe seeing what they're doing and wants to get into it like that's a very different journey to what we're used to over here yeah so what re in, in real terms like for, what does that really look like what's that story yeah it's really interesting kind of question and like there's so many different cultural challenges yeah. around cycling in uganda um i'll start by saying like one of the big ones is that cycling is seen as a poor person's way of moving around you know they'll get a very heavy single speed bike you know kind of 46 14 and yeah. you know just messes with your knees sure. and uh, it's probably 20 to 25 kilos and that's just a workhorse steel bike you know it's designed for moving uh we got these jerry cans of water yeah. it's designed for moving up to like 100 liters or 100 kilos of water and then the guy will just push this thing up a hill wow. um it's not a bike for leisure or recreation like yeah. we do or cycle to work or even things like cycle to work schemes. There's just mm. not a culture mm. of cycling being like a, a leisure activity, should we say, yeah. in Uganda or even, or certainly definitely not a way of making a living or an income. You know, it's completely mm. the opposite of that, shall we say. And so that's a huge challenge straight away is we've now got to look at cultural mindsets, you know, which is, you know, so hard for us in the UK to get our heads around this kind of concept of, Hang about just being seen on a bike is yeah. seen as perhaps being lower down in society, yeah, you know. Sure. And so, so that's a massive challenge to start with, and then the accessibility of it. You know, we have a couple of bike shops in Uganda, but nothing, nothing massive. You don't have like a big decathlon that you can walk in and pick up budget parts and budget yeah. components to fix your bike, you know. And so, even I still, I still, when I'm doing mechanics on bikes, I get a lot more nervous in Uganda because I'm like, yeah. if I get this wrong and break this. I'm going to have to wait three or four weeks and pay mm. twice the price because I have to ship that part over from England. Yeah. Mm. So it gets really frustrating as well. So you don't dare tinker as much and then you have to pay a mechanic in Uganda probably three or four times the price you would expect to pay mm. for that kind of service. Yeah, and so sure. those are you know, some of the challenges that we face. But also like 
you know, uh, the Ugandans, because it's so hard to access parts, they will just ride their bikes until they fall apart, you know. Yeah. So, like, if we start hearing our bottom brackets creaking, right, we'll take it in, get the bottom bracket serve, ma serviced, maybe change the bearings. Yeah. The Ugandan will probably just keep riding until yeah. it, it just seizes or mm. just completely gives up, you know, and mm. just completely different ways of approaching things um, around getting ladies on bikes as well. You know, we've got Florence, one of the yeah. best uh, female riders in the country yeah. in Masaka, yeah. uh, who's a sister of Kato and Waswa. Yeah. Just a very, very fast family. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Got it in the genes. Yeah, exactly. But just just um, cultural presuppositions there about getting female female riders on bikes. You know, it's just not done. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, things around you know there's a there's a cultural challenge around a lot of people think that a woman will lose her virginity if she rides a bike and things like that and so it's very kind of frowned upon um or they ross was saying in one of our last podcasts that you know even you know when they when girls turn like 11 they stop going to school as in like you know they're kind of you know essentially sometimes married off and yeah it's, and it's you know for us we can look at that and go oh my can't do that yeah but that's just the culture there yeah it's, i mean yeah it doesn't make it right but yeah. it, is, it is sadly quite mm. often what happens and particularly with these guys in Osaka, you know it's one of the poorest regions in the country yeah. you know so actually school is something you have to pay for it's um it is a necessity mm. but it isn't always affordable it's not yeah. an affordable necessity for so many of these you know so for kata and was were you know their parents couldn't afford to pay for both of them mm -hmm. to school, so they kind of had to choose which kid they sent to school. Wow. You know, and you, you wow. just imagine that if you've got kids, like having to decide who's who is my smarter child, yeah. who has more mm -hmm. potential in an academic perspective. You know, both of them only finished primary school. Um, I think Waswa dropped out in P3, which is about year three in English schooling, okay. and just wow. went on his bike, you know, and he's like, well, I can make some money through cycling, you know, and Kato runs so, a mechanic so, so he can make some money through cycling so what, uh, like local races okay so we fine. get like those local village races where everyone races those yeah. local bikes that okay. i was referring to okay. oh, wow now that's quite a scene to behold yeah, you know because they imagine. will they will thrash these things around <laughs> i think i've seen the videos on on the masaka instagram yeah, yeah 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 it is wild and the the celebrations of the winners oh, carnage, yeah. all the mopeds following them it's, it's really like dangerous giant, yeah giant dust cloud yeah just ragging around the village it's crazy uh, and so many of these races are fixed as well you know so um probably the one that you saw of kato getting picked up above yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, i was, yeah, I was yeah, at that yeah, race yeah. oh amazing as many be a 75 kilometer race the boys end up doing 145 kilometers because they sent them on extra detours and they'll basically they knew kato and waswa were going to absolutely kind of like clean up here so they gave them a different route yeah basically oh just added, added bits onto this race so we're doing like oh three we're meant to be doing man. three laps of this course and they ended up doing six oh <laughs> and it was just madness you know it was like uh, this was the first local race i'd been to That's and they're racing their um and this was down in masaka uh, where was it? No, it was more towards my side, okay, actually, fine. kind of in between the two, kind of more Kampala central region area. And uh, yeah, it was just incredible to see these guys and their determination to win, mm. to win. I think the winning prize was about £40, which, yeah. you know, for us, it's, it's, it's not a lot of money. You know, I would just get off my bike if I've been told to ride more and you're going to win 40 quid. But, mm. you know, it was just chaos and basically Kato finished first with this other lad who they'd been the local lad that they'd try to make win. And thankfully, you know, um, the community rallied behind and realized Kato. I, you know, I said to them, no one's going to beat Kato. You yeah. know, in this field, I know the riders. No, no one is as strong as yeah. Kato or nowhere near. You know, Wass was the only person that could beat Kato yeah. in, in this race. And so when he finished alongside this other guy, I knew straight away something fishy had happened. Okay. Thankfully, he'd got the Wahoo GPS. Oh, so I was amazing. like, right, give me that. And we talked to the race organizer and say, look how far he's ridden. You know, <laughs> so we kind of had a he's little bit double. of evidence. Yeah, we, he's done double and um, still probably twice as quick as I could have done it. You know, Shout out to... Uh, Shout well, out to Wahoo. Yeah, yeah. Wahoo fighting corruption <laughs> yeah. in East Africa. Saving the day, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they uh, actually did donate a few of their nice roams to yeah. Osaka, which oh, is, amazing. Uh, yeah, fair play to Wahoo there. Um, but, yeah, the community basically just pulled him off his bike and threw him up on their heads. Yeah. And I was just, I was like, I've got to get the camera out. Yeah, you know, so yeah. absolute scenes. That was a great, great uh, video. Yeah. Is that my on your, your Instagram account or is that on the Masaka? Probably both, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I, I was the one recording yeah. Kato getting lobbed around. Well, uh, yeah. If, if you uh, if you're on Instagram, jump on MCC Elite and have a yes. little scroll through and find it. It's well, well worth a watch. We'll it's put all the links good below. fun. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an incredible video. Yeah, it's class. I mean, that's uh, you know, and on that sort of Instagram note, you know, we to say we started working with Ross, you know, a few years ago, and to see the sort of the growth in Masaka has been amazing, and the support. You just mentioned that Wahoo 
I mean, if you were to sell Ross, you know, three, four years ago, that in a few years' time, Wahoo are going to be sending out, you know, roams and equipment, people are donating bikes, like all of this stuff, you know, it's amazing. And and I suppose, like, you know, whenever I speak with Ross, you know, our kind of goal, and I was saying to you earlier before we started recording, like, we really want to get across how people can be a part of the story and support Mm, it. mm. And, you know, for, for Wahoo to send a few roams out, it's for for a business of that scale, it's nothing. Yeah. But for the individuals that are receiving it over there, and for the work that you're doing, and the and the and the barriers that you're having to mm. overcome, those small donations are massive, mm. yeah. and the trickle down effect. Yeah, the, the local ripple effect of that. Just, yeah. it's so powerful. It inspires mm. and empowers the next generation. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I know that's like Ross. Ross is very passionate about that. That's if you find the best way to put these clearly talented riders like Kato and Waswa on on like a platform to sort of do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not only helping them and helping their family and their community, it's mm. also inspiring a younger generation mm. which then has this ripple effect out mm. into sort of other parts of the community. And yeah. you know, you, you kind of you sort of build out through this sort of in, inspiration yeah. sort of effect. And that's um, it, is trying to grow that grassroots mm. level. You know, we're right at the start when we were talking about people riding, seeing it as a poor man's or poor mm, woman's yeah. mode of transport. Mm. It's like, can we change that cultural yeah. narrative yeah. to be... It's Make uh, these guys heroes. Heroes, and if you can create yeah. heroes, you're going to... You, that's what's happened in the running. You know, yeah. you've got yeah. Joshua yeah, yeah. the guy, mm. you know, 5,000 metre mm. god almost mm. now. Yeah. You know, he yeah. doesn't have to lift a finger in Uganda. He gets driven around everywhere and gets yeah. loads of money from all sorts of sponsors. Mm. If we can do that with one cyclist, mm. you know, what that could do for mm. genuinely, yeah. uh, not to exaggerate it, yeah. a nation or even yeah. a region of East yeah. Africa yeah. could be... Uh, it's, it's hard to know yeah. where it would go, but I mm. think it could completely explode the sport. And the story of like somebody like Florence as well, you know, and that's, I mean, just on that note around the running sort of, you know, uh, like parallel, Mm. um, the podcast that we did with Michael, Mm. you know, that's something that he's very passionate about, you know, understanding like, you know, we've seen it in, you know, these East African countries Mm. with the running, like we can, the goal is to see, you know, kind of people from, you know, uh, sort of Uganda or, or, you know, like Masaka get into the pro peloton. Yeah. And exactly the same, because the impact that that has on a national level as mm. well as a local level is significant. Yeah. And that's amazing. And it's through a sport that we are used to seeing, you know, when we grow up, we're used to seeing, you know, kind of, you know, sort of men and women on bikes as, you mm. know, and making money from it and something that they love, you know. But for that such a... here at the weekend. Yeah, that's mm. such a, you know, a, a foreign thing for, you know, what you're de- dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's that's why, you know, you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, to try and see that kind of, you know, tidal change within the culture mm-hmm. and communities there. Absolutely, yeah. And then alongside that, you're fighting kind of what we're talking about, the corruption, you mm-hmm. know, the mm-hmm. systemic corruption within Uganda, which yeah. it comes from the very top, sadly, and then it comes through the National Council of Sport and then into our cycling federation, you know. So you've got... Are you at liberty to, you know, sort of... I can talk about it very freely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I have no problem talking about all of yeah. that. So... Yeah, you've got the National Council of Sport, which is the overarching body for sports. That's the government body that looks out, in theory, looks out for sport in the country. And then you've got the UCA, which is the Ugandan Cycling Association, which is kind of like British cycling here. Mm. You know, they're the ones that look at the national talent and are meant to represent the cyclists of the country, you know, and it's... I I don't want to be rude and I don't want to look like I'm just coming out of nowhere, but you know they're they're just very incompetent, you yeah. know. And I can give hundreds of examples of that as well. You know the fact that they, they they're very very few national races. We don't have a national calendar, you know. So it's mm. very hard to give cyclists stuff to train for. If, or yeah. if we get the national calendar or the national championship, sorry for it will only be road cycling at the minute. We only have a national championship for road cycling mm. uh, for men and maybe for women if we're lucky for the girls. Mm. And, uh, you know, they might give you a month's notice for the race, which <laughs> anyone that knows anything about cycling, yep. you need a bit more than a month to train for a big race. I think yeah. most, most races here are sold out entries before a month. Exactly. Before a month out. So yeah, yeah there's exactly. a sort of bit of perspective. Yeah. So you kind of want a 12 month build up. Yeah. You should know 12 to 18 months. For an A race. Ideally for, for your in theory, biggest race of the year mm. as a country, and we'll get maybe a month's notice. So actually, the likes of Kata and Waswa, you know, now they've got these pro contracts. They might not even be in the country when we get told that this event is happening, you know. So mm. it suddenly becomes a logistical nightmare, and you just got to hope they're in some sort of form and not in an off-season and things like that. Yeah. So 
you know, that's just one very small example, mm. you know, but you go to other races and uh, we've got these motorbikes that you're referring to on the mm. video. What you'll find is guys will pay these drivers to basically draft them all the way around the course, you know. So if I make a breakaway, <laughs> I get, as soon as I get outside of, the, outside of the peloton, my mate will come, I'll sit behind him and I'll draft behind mm. him or even worse, they'll just hold on to the back of them. I've heard you know? this is what Danny does. I've done that a few times. Yeah. Danny like, does yeah, this yeah, around yeah, local races. It's a good way to get a few yeah, Strava yeah. segments. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like motorized pacing, but in a race, if that yeah, makes sense, wow. you know. So not only is it just stupidly dangerous because yeah, sure. our roads are not closed mm. for racing, like you know, national events in here mm. will probably be on closed roads most of yeah. the time in UK and Europe. Yeah. And so you've got these races where you've got heaps of traffic and you've then got Ugandan guys mm. who are desperate to make it. So they'll be holding onto the back of the motorbike mm. to try and win. And yeah. so how, how and do you a, compete with yeah, that? Yeah, so, that's a DQ in UCI race. If you're exactly. watching one of the classics at the weekend and you see someone drafting a camera bike, if they do it for too long, they're exactly. out the race. Yeah, uh, yeah. Same with the team cars. It's only when sticky bottom. Yeah, it's only when you're needed. There's there's loopholes, but yeah, no one's hanging onto the back of a motorbike yeah. for the whole race. And it's not even particularly hidden, you know. It's yeah. quite obvious. So you know, we'll try and capture it on camera if we can, but it's so hard to to capture it when it's a 120k and race. I, and I suppose your your sort of you know desire and goal is to you know the guys you're working with to essentially set their sights higher. Yeah. Mm. So one of our strategies is actually almost to bypass yeah. national racing, you know, Fine, and, and it's yeah. a really hard conversation because I'm not Ugandan, so I don't know what mm. their life aims and wants mm. are, but we've had many conversations around it. And actually the boys are quite good at kind of understanding that perhaps being national champion isn't yeah. the be all and end all mm. or competing in the Olympics isn't the be all and end all or the Commonwealth Games. You know, mm. originally that's all they wanted to do was to yeah. race in the Olympics or get to the Tour de France. Wow. And actually we've had so many heartbreaking long conversations about actually sadly Kato Waswa we're never going to get to the Olympics under the current yes. infrastructure we have in the country mm, because yeah. it'll, if anyone goes there it'll be the guys that can pay for their flare, yeah. airfare and their mm, ticket and you know mm, that's something me mm. and Ross just point blank really mm. try and refuse to do we yeah. you want to get there on merit and yeah I am trying to work with the National Federation you know not to just talk badly about them I've offered to help with national selection by using our indoor machines you know mm. putting them putting riders through like a 4DP test on yeah. uh, Wahoo system mm. and saying, well, this guy has got a max, massive max sprint. He's kind of your sprinter if we've got a sprinting course. But if it's mm. a climbing course, then Kata and Wasa are probably some of the best climbers in the country mm, alongside yeah. maybe a couple of other lads. Um, it's interesting you say that because I imagine there's most people listening to this podcast could probably select a national team on a similar basis. Like yeah. you've just said, oh, he's good at sprinting. It's a flat course. Let's take him. Yeah. Most of our listeners could do that. Yet yeah. That isn't what the Ugandan Cycling Association are doing. No, exactly. They will just pick. You know, there's a few clubs that are intertwined with the, the president of the UCA. Mm, okay. He's the top guy. Um, and actually, it's just really messy, basically. You know, they kind of all just look out for each other. Mm. You know, it, the, the problem is it's never just one corrupt person, you know, mm. and that's the challenge. It's yeah. kind of a network of corrupt people. Um, and that's where that's where the issues lie. That's where the challenges lie. Is mm. actually even if you you know a lot of people are like, oh, we just need a new president. And I'm like, well, then what? You know, what's yeah. the strategy yeah. if we yeah. get rid of the cycling? Someone president, will just you know? yeah get in his ear and yeah, so it'll be the next person in, and mm. then it'll be the other corrupt teams around that will then just maintain the control and the equilibrium, and and yeah. we'll be no better off. Yeah. We've just got a new person in charge yeah. who's still just a puppet on a string. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just continuous challenges. But actually. Mm. Kato, Waswa, Florence, you know, are amazing. They've, all three of them now got pro contracts with um, with the Amani project. And uh, so let's yeah. let's obviously that mm. I think that's a pretty good background as to kind of where you know you obviously got involved with, with yeah. Masaka, and hopefully for listeners, you know, good overview as to kind of the the landscape, so mm. to speak. Mm. So obviously, let's talk about MCC Elite. Let's talk about this team. Let's talk about you know kind of the work that you're doing with mm. with with these riders. Because um, you said you started with like a, a small sort of training camp in your house. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when me and Ross first spoke, I offered to take, uh, I think, five riders at my house. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got some, got some spare room, basically. So I said, they can come and stay with me and my wife and child. And I'll put them through their paces on a few different fitness tests. On It was just on Zwift at the time because yeah. I had one iPad there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And like one or two turbo trainers. So yeah. it's kind of like, I think... One was connected to my phone and one was connected to uh, like the iPad mini. And that's all I could do at that time. But I knew that we'd be getting at least accurate metrics to start yeah. with. Um, and so we did the weekend and it was okay. We got some interesting results from the riders. And then 
I think two weeks later, Ross sent me another batch of riders, did mm. the same sort of concept. So we had then a little bit of an overview of right who who are meant to be the, our strongest riders, which yeah. unsurprising was Kato and Wasp. But then there was also a couple of really strong, I think they're 17, maybe 18-year-olds now, young lad called Davis. I don't know if you've mm. ever seen yeah. him. He, if I go on a slight tangent, if we're going to see someone make it big yeah. into pro peloton, I would put my money on him. Yeah, you know, really. He speaks fantastic English, um, quite can I say well-educated, you know, he's finishing his uh, secondary education, which for a guy from Osaka, is, mm. that's a real big achievement. Wow. You know, wow. Whilst also maintaining. Whilst also maintaining 5.3 watts per kilo for a 20-minute <laughs> effort, you know. So. <laughs> Mental. Yeah, yeah not at, just your average 17, school 18. kid, that. Yeah, exactly. No, that is. Um, and how old is he now? I think he's, he's 17, maybe just turned 18. Wow. So he's in that 17, 18. But again, like, you know, going back to what we're saying, you know, not being able to be get picked up by uh, an not having that fair team. platform yeah, to yeah. show that off on. Yeah, he'd be scooped up by maybe not British Cycling in the UK, but he'd be in a team yeah. racing every week mm. and getting just such a great knowledge mm. base. Whereas the best we can do for him is stick him on Zwift and race some of the best riders in the world yeah. on that esports platform yeah. and see where that takes yeah. us. And that gives him his fairest, fairest yeah. platform. You can sort of guide him towards, I guess, and. Yeah, it, it it sort of it is a very good way of showing what they're capable of, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, that those numbers don't lie. No, they um, don't lie at all. And I think, as you rightly say, it's the best yeah. way we can get them to race. You mm. know, unfortunately, even even with Zwift and things like that, there's there's challenges oh, yeah. with that. You know, we missed out on there was the Zwift World Championships just recently, yeah. and there was the qualification event. Um, but sadly, they dual recording. Yeah, they, there was yeah. the dual recording, which was a real headache for us. You know, because we've not only got to get a bike that's probably kitted out with shimano 105 we've got to get a turbo trainer mm. and, and now we second, need a head unit yeah. and now we need a secondary power meter you know uh, and that's, that's, and that's a, that's a lot of money mm. you know that's yeah. two three thousand pounds worth See, of kit. yeah and um they only I mean, gave us a month's notice for the qualifying events yeah and so if i ship stuff out immediately to uganda the best it's going to get there is two and a half to three weeks yeah, yeah. but i had to find 500 quid twice for mm. two power meters mm. and they came it was gutting they came three days after the race and so the race happened. I looked at who came in the top five, which was a qualification position. Mm. And we'd beaten these guys several uh, times, a few South African lads, and they, yeah, it sure. just killed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's absolutely brutal. But so we've learned the lesson. I mean, I, and that's, you know, the, the really great, you know, kind of avenue that Swift and sort of other platforms have allowed. Mm. It's the, these guys, you know, the opportunity to race high level people all over the world. Yeah. But, and to get results. Yeah. I mean, what that's got to do to boost confidence, you know, and just to kind of set that tone. And, you know, now, you know, we can reference sort of Armani, you know, we've, they've got three contracts in Masaka. Yeah. I mean, what's the goal there? You know, what's the goal for Armani, you know, with, you know, with offering contracts mm. to, to the, 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 the brothers and sister? What's yeah. the goal? What's the goal for well, them? Well, they're, they're harnessing the best East African talent, basically. Yeah. Um, they are not interested in the national federations. Yeah maybe I dare say as far as the UCI, you know, they're not interested in kind of the bureaucracy mm -hmm. recycling. It's very much about giving the best talent in East Africa yeah. good money, a good salary, yeah. a living, so they don't have to worry about anything else mm. and giving them an opportunity to race around yeah. the world, you know. So they've got riders going off to America for steamboat gravel race in the summer. Wow. Um, Kata and Waswa, all things being equal, should be going to North Spain, Catalonia for a couple of big gravel races oh, in perfect. April. Oh, These boys have never left the country apart yeah, from to go to wow. Kenya. So for them to go to Spain, yeah. that's a real pride thing as yeah. well. You know, they're yeah. going to come back international travelers. They've flown Telling once. Stories, yeah. You know, they've flown once on a tiny plane with me up to North Uganda for mm. a, a holiday someone paid for for our team, which was just incredible. Oh, to see these boys on a plane and kind of like yeah. <laughs> something we just we just jump on and yeah. put the yeah. headphones on and off we go. Yeah. You know, these guys were looking out the window and um, to broaden their horizons, you know, mm. like uh, Waswa raced in the migration gravel race came ninth. Mm. And um, I remember it was one of the most beautiful conversations I had with him. You know, he's got very broken English and I've got very broken Luganda, which is a local language they speak. Mm. And he was like, Sam, I saw an elephant for the first time. And I'm huh. like, we have hundreds of elephants in Uganda, <laughs> but he's never had the opportunity to travel. Wow. He's like, I saw an elephant, I saw a giraffe. And he was like a school kid, wanted oh, to tell oh, me oh, all oh, these oh, animals oh, that he'd seen. And it just... Nothing to do with the ninth just, place. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, the so ninth good. obviously was chuffed about <laughs> yeah, that. But yeah, yeah. then it was like, and all of this. <laughs> you know? And it was just a beautiful moment of like, flip how have they not seen yeah, yeah. this? You know, like we, we, just a different cultural mindset mm. of like we, you know, I grew up in a family that wanted to travel and was blessed with the money to be able to do that. But, you know, these guys don't even travel 
four hours down the road mm. to a safari park, mm. you know, because mm. that's a waste of money in their mind. You know, they'd mm. rather think about saving money or putting a nice meal on the table. And that's just mm. Amani. Sorry, it's a very long answer. Amani no, no, is basically great. looking at it's great. how can we broaden these guys' yeah. horizons and use the gravel scene as almost a backdoor into the pro peloton, you know. Mm. So there's guys going to Cape Epic, I think, in, is it March? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or it's March now, isn't it? it yeah, it, it's, it, you, it's meant to be March, but because of COVID last year, it was, it was well, late it's been last pushed year. to October the last two mm. years. God knows what they'll be doing with it this year. Whenever yeah. Cape Epic's on, there's a few mm. riders going down there. It's um, a, a huge field, isn't it? That's yeah. a massive elite mm. field. You know, mm. That's mountain bike racing, so I would say maybe not quite their forte, but mm. they're going to really use things yeah. like the Steamboat Gravel Race and a few other big mm. ones in the States in the summer to see how good they are against the likes of Ian Boswell, Lawrence mm. Tendam, who actually did the migration yeah, gravel say, race you know, and got the, pushed close. The migration gravel race was amazing. Obviously, organised by Michael and, uh, and Armani. And, you know, it brought some of the best sort of riders, some, you know, pro peloton, some, you know, professional gravel riders, which mm. is pretty mad. We've got these professional gravel riders now. Just go, go, what's changing? And, you know, we're looking on it as fans of 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 cycling, as fans mm. of racing, seeing these big names, looking yep. at the parkour, going, "What a place to do it!" And here we've got, you know, your man finishing ninth, yeah. and we'd be stoked on the ninth. Yeah. And he's talking about the experience that he's had. Yeah, yeah. I and, mean, yeah, he was I mean, he was what, wired. Yeah, what a gorgeous, you know, kind of like like metaphor for what we're dealing with here. We're not, even though the cycling is the vessel and it is the the avenue by which you know, these opportunities are presented for him. Our references are so different to, to his, Yeah, you know. And, yeah. and he just actually, had a cracking day on just, the bike. You know, <laughs> the, the, his, his love for the bike and mm. the support that, you know, Masaka have given him and then in turn Armani have given him mm. have opened up this new life that he would never have had yeah. before. Yeah. That is, that's just so powerful mm. and something that like for all listeners out there, like, we cannot take that for granted. Like the small support that we that we give, like it's not just about the bike. It's, it's not so just much about. Yeah. It's it's really significant. Yeah, really significant. Absolutely. I think Ross says it so well. I've heard a few of his podcasts that he talks on, and he'll say first and foremost, Masaka Cycling Club is a humanitarian yeah. project. Yeah. Mm. That sounds like a weird thing to say when you mm. talk about cycling, mm. but then when you start yeah. to see the results and see that. Waswa was just as happy to have seen an elephant and a giraffe and yeah. go to Kenya yeah. as he was to have finished ninth. And yeah. maybe he didn't fully understand what the impact of finishing ninth would have meant, but... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Mm. Doesn't, matter. doesn't matter. The guy got an opportunity yeah. to see the world, which yeah, he wouldn't have done without yeah. cycling. Mm. And that's mm. the humanitarian mm. part. And mm. now he's on a £200 a month, which, again, doesn't sound like a lot, but he was earning a pound a day. So yeah. that's £30 a month if he worked every day. Yeah. You know, he's now on £200 a month or so with yeah. Amani, which is... Huge That's money amazing. for a guy from Osaka Cycling. Um, it allows him the freedom to train in something that he loves. Yeah, he can so train he every get day. Better. Yeah, mm. exactly. He should only now improve. He can now have good nutrition rather than mm. just rice and mm. beans and mm. basic things. And I'm, I'm really not trying to be dramatic. This mm. is the genuine mm. challenges, challenges that these guys yeah. face. Well, I mean, according to the podcast we did with EF, he'll get to the Tour de France and he'll just eat rice anyway. So This is it, yeah. The plant -based <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's diet, just training himself <laughs> up. He's training himself up for the World Tour diet. Yeah, um, yeah according to Owen. Carbs, carbs. And again, that's that's the other really interesting thing. We have. I mean, in all the conversations we've had around Masaka, like we've just talked about the training and the you know the, the coaching that you're doing but obviously we, there's the nutrition aspect as well mm. you know because we're not dealing with keen amateurs we're yeah. dealing with now i mean he's paid to race professional riders yeah. that yeah. are that are racing at an elite level mm. um so i mean where does that come into play do you how, i mean how what how do they access sort of like you know good nutrition yeah that's a, that is a much harder one yeah. you know because it is linked to income you yeah. know ultimately you yeah. know they mm. can't afford to buy energy gels yeah. uh, well, there's nowhere to buy them yeah, first sure, and foremost sure, actually sure. Yeah, but you know sense. even like a, an energy bar um, particularly if it's shipped into Uganda like Uganda has 40% import tax yeah. so anything that's coming in yeah. almost is twice the price as what you'd pay in Tesco's for yeah. it so that makes a massive problem so yeah. We look at, I, I've taught them a few recipes, how to make their own like flapjack and yeah, oat-based food, which is still buying oats. It's like three pounds a packet, which mm. if, if you're earning a pound a day, there's no way you're going to spend yeah, three sure. quid on a load of oats. Mm, mm. Um, so they, they, they've neglected nutrition for a long time. Yeah. And this is going to be a challenge, I think. You know, yeah. we're, it's not going to change overnight, that mindset mm. of you mm. need to eat well to perform well. Because they're like, well, we perform well already, Sam. Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, we're good. <laughs> so I really need to eat this expensive food right, to do better. And I mean, yeah. that, that in itself is interesting. It's, if, if that's what they can do 
with that attitude, without yeah. you even touching that side of things, imagine, you know, as they continue to progress and like this new talent comes through and gets to progress into these sort of maybe these European pro outfits where yeah. suddenly that will all be taken care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. God knows what they could do. Yeah, mm. it's quite terrifying yeah. to think, you know, the likes of yeah. this young lad Davis and people like that. You think, where could he end up? You know, because yeah. he is seeing what Katon Mas were doing, seeing that they're earning good money. And he's like, well, I want to have a go at that. Them. And this is what we're saying about making heroes, you know, mm. the Joshua Chepter yeah, guy yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. analogy yeah. of like, if Katon Mas were and Florence could be pioneers for East African cycling through the Amani program. And there's two other Ugandans as well that have got contracts, mm. you know, so it's five East, five Ugandans in the pro setup mm. you know if these guys can show and light up a path for these other riders then mm. that's when we can start changing that cultural narrative mm. and um, that grassroots level of cycling and build a culture of cycling which currently i think the country could really do with yeah mm. that's amazing so um what's i mean for you you know obviously you're kind of essentially you know head coach of, of the masaka cycling club you know in their elite program what's for you on a not only with maybe like a, you know, like a, the, the goal for Masaka widely, but for you on a personal level, like what's the goal? Like what, what, what would you love, you know, in, you know, five years time to look back and say, you know, look what we've achieved. Like for you, what, what is that? Yeah, I think what keeps me going is first and foremost seeing the, the short term impact, you know, yeah. the Katos, the WAS was getting these contracts, you know, mm. and that's a great start, but that for me isn't what I would see as enough, you know, yeah. enough change. Um, you know, I try and stay away from the politics of cycling as sure. much as I can, but you just hit a glass ceiling. You have to take it on at certain points and you have to really choose your battles. Mm. Um, if we say five years time, I'd love to still be in Uganda. You know, I yeah. love living out there. That's that's my, my wife and my daughter's home. Mm. Um, I would love to be in a point that if I step back, everything will just continue as it was, you know, and, and leave a legacy basically, yeah, you know, that helps grow the sport at a grassroots level, but also has uh we have the potential to uh host like international racing or national racing and mm. you know I, I spoke to you guys earlier about this we've got this big land project with yeah. 100 acres of land basically which is there's a lot of land you know if you walk the boundary it's about three kilometers you know it's wow. this huge plot of land that we are going to be building the first ever mountain bike park in uganda so on, you know which Again, trying to show people that this can be a leisure activity, yeah. this can be a sport, and then you can convert that into a way to cycle to work, yeah. to save money. And actually, yeah. Uganda, just on an aside, Kampala is like four times more polluted than what the World Health Organization would recognize wow. a highly polluted mm. city to be at, just wow. to give you a rough feeling for quite yeah, how wow. bad it is. So yeah. can we start to create a more eco-friendly country, yeah. city, yeah. town? Yeah. Um, is, is there... I mean, you know, forget on like a like a national or like a government governmental level. That's a word. Mm -hmm. um, is there appetite for that? You know, kind of amongst sort of people, is there that you know understanding of of actually we need to make some changes here because living at four times a polluted level is not okay. Yeah, I th there is just not enough. Yeah, you know, sure. there's small voices at yeah, the yeah. moment. You know, there yeah. are organisations doing some amazing, amazing things. Yeah, but there's not enough desire. Yeah. Uh, at probably the higher policy making level mm. you know there's I guess the argument would be there are greater concerns you know mm. there are mm. people in absolute deprivation so why am I worried about how clean the air is you know and sure. I, it is a really tricky yeah. balance you yeah, know if you've I got understand. people who are genuinely struggling to find food mm. that's a higher importance yeah. than the air you breathe yeah, yeah. but it also isn't you know so yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really tricky one you know so priorities exactly and it is such a Again, we're coming back to that humanitarian kind of position is mm. can cycling be, can we keep using cycling as a humanitarian aid yeah. and goal? And so, you know, we hope through this land that we can create jobs, you know, maybe 30 or 40 people employed as bike mechanics, as yeah. coaches, you know. Yeah. So my dream would be to build up an a small army of Ugandan high quality coaches that understand power, mm. weight, heart rate training loads things like that things yeah. that most recreational cyclists in the uk just take do because we've been on zwift for five yeah, six yeah. years you mm. know whereas this is cutting edge out there yeah. and so can we train up me mechanics that have nice high quality park tool you know mm. training sets yeah. and, and things like that and they can make a living from that and a good yeah. living you yeah. know not just a pound a day but actually like you know not just survival but thriving you mm. know not survive but thrive some yeah. kind of concept and so for me answering the previous question it's about creating that legacy yeah. that means cycling can continue without me being there yeah. and it would continue anyway but actually to a point where 
people really want to be involved in that sport yeah. and we can actually maybe then we can start changing things on a higher policy level because there's a greater mm. demand and a greater desire, you know, for things. Well, I mean, you're, you know, obviously with your background and, you know, your position as a coach, you know, you're automatically taking that mentoring role mm. as in you're doing it to further the potential of these individuals that you're working with. And obviously at the minute, you know, there's a handful that have, you know, been presented contracts. And, you know, we hope that that continues and that, mm. you know, there are other people that take on that mental to mantle to mentor, you know, new potential you know riders sure. and see yeah. that avenue into not only something that's you know fulfilling but also something that is a a, a career yeah, and something absolutely. that you know can can really set an example yeah absolutely that would be the dream is to see riders seeing cycling as a way to make money you know yeah. there's a few mm-hmm. options for cycling tour guides and so we've you know one of my favorite success stories of of, of a friend of mine in Uganda, Rafa, mm. um, you know when I first met him he spoke a little bit of English and uh, that was about it and yeah. actually we I helped him with like this savings program and he, mm. he got his driving license and uh, you know, he knew how to ride a bike. This is, this is the lad that actually went on the turbo trainer and did really, really well. Okay. Um, <laughs> he ended up getting a, a part-time job basically doing tour guiding oh, and kind of like if he did 10 days of that, he would earn two months pay wow. in 10 days of tour wow. guiding, you know, and it was just like completely blew both our minds actually that he could make yeah. as much money as he did through yeah. it, you know, and he, he went with a friend of mine who runs some mountain bike tours mm. and, um, yeah, 10 days work he'd made, you know, 600,000 shillings or something like that, wow. which is 150 pounds or something. Yeah. So, you That's know, he amazing. was able to take his family out for a nice dinner and, yeah. and he'd just do things he wouldn't normally be able to do. And that, that was just like such a success. And you're like, can we now multiply that mm. tenfold, hundredfold, you yeah. know, to a point where people see Uganda as a cycling destination? You know, we're a long, long way from that. But yeah. the potential is 100% there for mm. some great gravel riding, some great road riding. And, um, yeah, can we see that happening on a, a much larger scale? You know, can we make a hundred raffos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, on that note, how you know for for listeners who maybe aren't haven't been aware of Masaka, you know, as a as a business, you know, we have been supporting Masaka, yeah, uh, not only sort of financially, but also trying to raise awareness and also trying to create and work with Ross of avenues of how we can support people yeah. involved in the, in the Jersey drives, uh, you know, and with the goal, you know, Ross has been very clear, you know, that, the, you know, the monthly donations are a massive thing. Yeah. And we're not talking about lots of money. We're talking about as little as like a pound, you yeah, know, like yeah. a, a, or, or Ross's thing was, you know, the a price coffee. of a cup, yeah, cup yeah, of coffee, coffee a month, yeah. you know, which is nothing. Um, and so, you know, we honor that. So we, you know, we donate sort of X amount, you know, per month as well. Yeah. But how can, what you're doing is amazing and talking about it, it's, it reaffirms why we support this because it's not, it's not for the hype. It's not for, for, you know, the, the show or the spectacle of it. it is having the work that you're doing and the work that, you know, you know, Masaka is doing is having a real impact in the lives of individuals who wouldn't have had that. And the fact that it is part of, you know, we're using the bike, something that we all love mm. to champion that mm. is something that is very humbling to be a part of. How can listeners support and be involved in this? You know, I mean, what is, what is, the, what is the best way from your standpoint for people to kind of say, this sounds amazing, how can I help? Yeah, I think there's loads of different ways. Obviously, the monetary giving is, is super helpful, particularly the monthly yeah. donations, mm. because it just allows Ross to create a clear budget, you know, yes. and, and things like that. But money, monetary giving aside, I think um, there's loads of other ways. You know, equipment is such a challenge in Uganda, as we yeah. alluded to earlier. There isn't those big mega stores where we can just go buy our new Shimano chain because it's rusted or snapped or <laughs> yeah. far too stretched, which, sure. you know, the power these guys are putting through the chains, we yeah. get through them pretty quickly. So yeah. those kind of consumable parts, you know, maybe people when they go buy their 10 speed chain might want to buy a second one and they yeah, actually sure. give it to us and we can get it shipped out to, the, okay, to Uganda consumable uh, yeah any consumable parts bottom uh, bottom bracket is a bit of a fiddly one so we'll leave yeah, that aside sure. but tyres tubes chains cassettes mm. you know uh, mm. anything Shimano basically yeah. is, is super super helpful yeah. um, I mean you were saying you know tubes yeah it, it's very difficult to get tubes out there and you've yeah, got guys that are, 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 are like you know running on like repaired after repaired after repaired tubes yeah so if you took most of the boys bikes apart or florence's bikes apart i guarantee you'll probably see four or five patches on yeah. a tube you know run, mm. set, running running tubeless just isn't really an option because mm. it's just quite expensive to get sure. once you get going with it it's, it's a good option but mm. 
you know, uh, they, 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 new, you get new rims, new, new, new rims, tires, new tape, yeah, probably yeah. a compression pump, ideally. You yeah. know, you can spend a few hundred pounds just to get that going. And so, whilst the money isn't there to inject that capital into it, you know, we just go with the standard mm. 700 by 25 and then mm. the an inner tube. And mm. that works for now, you know, longer term, that's something we'll try and look into. But, mm. uh, you know, a few spare inner tubes is a couple of quid, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's not a lot of money, you know. Um, helping sponsors with the couch, you know, perhaps if you pay your 12 99 mm. if you feel like you can double it, you know, sponsor a Ugandan's with the count as well, you know, things like that. Another one that's, um, we don't talk about a lot, but is really good. A lot of the guys are really trying to get onto Instagram and social okay. media to learn to yeah. market themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you might have seen Kata and Wasser and these yeah, guys. We, we follow all three of the uh, siblings. There you go, yeah, yeah, fantastic. We, we follow all three of them I, on Instagram. I think in the post last week, we tagged all three of them. Yeah. So you can go back and find that and give them all a follow if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Follow them, have a comment as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because actually what I've done before is when we, before they had their accounts, I would write stuff as MCC Elite and then I would read the comments out to them and I'd be like, oh, you got this person in England saying, go on, Kato, smash the race or uh -huh. go on, Florence, you're an amazing girl. Yeah. And genuinely, you'd yeah. see their face light yeah. up. Like they, mm. they absolutely loved that engagement. Mm. You know, and, you know, bless them, Waswa can't really read English, so I have to read those comments out yeah, to sure. him, and he gets a lot of help with his yeah. Instagram. But it, it really, truly does lift their spirit, and you can, yeah. you can see it, you know, they, yeah. get, they get on to Zwift, and they just want to attack from the gun, which I'm also yeah. then trying to tell them to calm it's down so and pace themselves. It's so exciting to watch as well. Like, you see these guys kind of in the clubhouse going, like, hell for leather. Like, it is, it's just amazing it's, to watch. It's ridiculous, you know, they'll go off the gun at, you know, 400 watts for the first two, three minutes, yeah. and I'm like, please just slow down. I'm yeah, looking yeah, at the yeah. heart rate, and it's yeah. just going up, 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 yeah, up, yeah, up. Yeah, like, yeah, we need yeah. to bring this down, otherwise yeah. you're going to go pop. And, he, and Waswa, we call him the smiling assassin, you know, he just... <laughs> He'll be putting out huge numbers that most of us can dare dream about. Yeah. And he'll be just sat there grinning, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. what's wrong with you, man? I know, <laughs> I know a few a few listeners that have ended up in races with them um, oh. on Zwift and instantly regretted it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at the same time, it's amazing. You know, they pick up the name, they see Masaka. Yeah. Yeah. They text me like, oh, yeah, just race Kato. He's absolutely, you know, He's destroyed me. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, these guys are good, um, and yeah, like it's it's a very it's sort of it's it's cool how it's become this like recognisable name, you know, mm, like yeah. when we've got listeners who've listened to the previous podcast going, oh yeah, I raced with them on Zwift, or yeah. one went hooning past me in Weltopia. It's, it's quite cool. That was probably me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it is incredible, and actually, like you know, I think they've now done a hundred races, but yeah. I remember when we first started the Zwift racing, you know, yeah. they bless them. They got it, but they didn't get it at the same yeah, time. You know, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a weird, it's, like a, a, nuance it's, it's like a bit of, yeah, it is exactly. It's like a funny criterion. You start yeah. fast, it kind of calms down and then it generally ends up in a bunch finish, yeah. you know, 80% of the time. And yeah. they weren't quite getting it because they'd raced in Uganda. And this was one of the problems we were alluding to earlier is they just attack from the gun because yeah. they can get away with that in Uganda. Mm. You know, they just blow the field apart within 2K and then Kato and yeah, Wasser sure. will just be their own breakaway and never yeah. get caught. And so they thought they could do that in an ACAP <laughs> race. Amazing. And we... We're really having to work hard on being like, you know, calm it down, boys, bring it in. And we're getting quite close. We had a few near misses. And then eventually, Waswa, unsurprisingly, ends up, ends up in a breakaway with this one other Dutch guy. And um, I'm looking on Zwift Power. I, I do all the nerdy stuff behind the scenes as they're racing, you know, yeah. trying to tell them what's going on, who's what, what's what. And we're in this breakaway, 2K to go with a climb. I look at this guy and he's like, he's, he's a built like me. So he's 80 plus kilos. I'm thinking, oh my word, <laughs> I've got to try and keep Waswa calm, but I know the wind's on here. Yeah. So I said to him, right, you've got a 2K climb to the finish line coming up. When you want to attack, just go for it. Whatever you do, you've just got to hold it for the line. Waswa being Waswa, within the first 50 meters of this slope just goes. And I'm like, oh no, he's, gonna, he's not going to hold 400 watts for, you know, five minutes. Lo and behold, he does, he you know, and he, he, I like genuinely, I was nearly tears in my oh, eyes. It still chokes me so now. And I remember good. sending Ross, I try and film whenever we we're getting like potentially a win, I'd yeah, be filming yeah, yeah. it. And I'm trying to video this yeah. whilst screaming, screaming at this guy. At I think them. it ended up yeah, on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I remember yeah. that one really well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was all sorts of tones coming out of my yeah. throat. You yeah, know, yeah, I sound yeah, like yeah. a 15 year old schoolboy. It was yeah. just uh, <laughs> absolute chaos, but it was just, everything coming together yeah. all that energy and emotion at me yeah. and Ross and so many people like Giro yeah. who'd put into that from time from money from donations that was the culmination of all that work coming together and, and I think that's that release. absolutely I think that's what's really important to get across is that like 
we want to hear more of these stories. And, you know, the only way that, you know, the, you're able to do the work that you do and, you know, these guys are able to kind of get the results they are getting, you know, the raw talent has obviously got them, you know, to the start line, so to speak. But mm. it's the equipment, it's the kind of, mm. and this is just the modern world that we live in, you know. It does require donations and it does yeah. require a support. Yeah. Um, so we'll put all the sort of, you know, sort of, you know, links and descriptions mm. in, in, in the in the bits below. We've got a dedicated um, page on the yeah, website. we've got a dedicated page on the website that Amazing. makes it clear. I think what yeah. we will do, I think like, I really like this idea of maybe kind of doing, you know, some like sort of like gathering all these like spares and stuff. Mm. I think there's a lot that we could sort of like, you know, support there because, you know, it, like monthly donations, I mean, look, as I say, it's three pounds, you know, a month. That is nothing and it's very easy to do. Um, or you know, if if you want to do any yeah, more there's than a that, link I, on the page I know if, that if you can. A, a number of our uh, a number of our customers already do so. But then you know, if we were to kind of do something like you know, in sort of spring, uh, like later in spring, where we can kind of essentially have like an event here, mm, we can basically extra, just yeah. kind of get a load of stuff in you know kind of bunch of spares that we can sort of ship out to you yeah or it could be anything you know any and, and look if um, as a more kind of you know extreme you know thing i know that ross has done a call out for bikes in the past so mm. if people have got spare bikes that they'd be yeah. willing to part with like i mean these are these are things that <laughs> it has such a measurable impact yeah. because it's not just that person who gets the bike it's a knock-on effect that has in the community mm. and you know we, you've heard a million times here on this podcast you know for us our passion here is community you know it's about the people that walk through the door and the fact that our community can play a part in helping to support and you know Create kind of build and, and invest yeah. into the, the community that you're kind of nurturing yeah. is 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 amazing mm. and uh, that's really the story you want to get across mm. it's a real kind of like heart passion here yeah uh, so yeah. yeah sam thank you so much it's thank been you an absolute much. privilege to talking to you mate i think what yeah. you're doing is amazing thank you very much uh, thank you for having us on appreciate oh, it uh, mm. and you know as i say we'll put all the you know, sort of information below but hopefully it's we get some first ever in-person lasaka podcast yeah. as well, which is cool everything's been on yeah, zoom yeah, before yeah, yeah. Oh. everyone's on the other side of the world <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so nice to be in person yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right thanks thank you thanks so much yeah nice